Hello, and welcome to Point of View, where we give students a place to listen, learn, and lean in. I'm your host, Marcus Kim, and today I'll be telling you a spooky story. Every night, no matter the weather, something walks down our street whistling ever so softly. You can only hear it if you're in the living room or kitchen when they walk by, and it starts exactly at 3 or 3 a.m. Sound starts faint, somewhere near the beginning of the lane near Carson's place. We're towards the middle of the street, so the whistling moves past us and it fades away in the direction of the cul-de-sac. When I was younger, my sister and I would sneak into the kitchen some nights to listen. Mom and Dad didn't like that and we'd catch hell if they ever found out, but they weren't ever too hard on us since we always stuck by the one big rule. Do not try to look at whatever was whistling. My neighborhood is a funny place. I've lived here since I was six and I love it. The houses are small but well kept. Good-sized yards, plenty of places to roam. There are lots of other kids here my age. I turned 13 back in October. We grew up together and would always play foursquare in the cul-de-sac or roam around the back, play in the trees during the summer. This was a good place to grow up. I'm old enough now to see it. And there was only two strange things here, the night whistling and the good luck. The whistling never bothered me too much. Like I said, I couldn't hear it from my bedroom. But mom and dad don't like talking about it, so I've stopped asking questions. My dad is a strong guy, tall and calm. He has an accent since he moved to the U.S. as a kid. His family, well, my grandparents, they're from the islands. That's why they call it anyways. My dad, the only time he isn't so calm, is if the whistler comes up. He talks a bit quicker, his eyes move faster, and he tells us not to think about it too much, since it's not good to talk about it. But he always keeps the one big rule. Do not try to look outside when the whistler goes past. Not that we could ever look if we wanted to. See, there are shutters on the inside of every window, thick pieces of heavy canvas that pull down and from the top and latch at the bottom of the window frame. Each latch has a small lock, about the size of what you'd find on a diary. My dad locks the shutters every night before we go to bed and keeps the key in his room. My mom, I don't know what she thinks about the whistling. I've seen her out in the living room before 3 or 3 a.m. when the sound starts. I could see her if I cracked my door open just an inch to peek. She's not out there often, at least I haven't caught her much. But once or twice a month, I think she sits out on the big red couch just to listen. The whistler goes past and hums the same tune every night. It's somewhat cheerful. Remember how I said there were two odd things when we live here? Well, besides the night whistler, everyone in my neighborhood is very, very lucky. It's hard to explain, and my dad doesn't like talking about that part either, but usually when people live here, good things happen. It's small things. Winning a radio contest, getting unexpected promotions, or finding some airhead buried in the yard. You know, like the authentic kind. The weather here is pretty good. There's no crime at all and everybody's garden blooms a little bit extra in the fall. A million little blessings. I've heard my mom say that about living here. But the main reason we stay here, why we moved here in the first place, is my sister Nola. She was born very sick, something with her lungs. We couldn't even bring her home when she was born, only visit her in the hospital. She was small, I remember, small even compared to other babies. A machine had to help her breathe. We moved into our house here to be closer to the hospital. As soon as we moved here, Nola started getting better, 
the doctors couldn't figure it out, so they chalked it up to whatever they were doing, but we knew they were confused. But my parents knew. Even I knew. Nola getting better was just another of the million little blessings we got for living in this neighborhood. So that's why we stayed here, even after we found out for every small miracle that happens here every day. Now and then, something bad happens. But only to those who look for the whistler. See, our neighborhood has a welcoming committee. They show up with macaroni casseroles, gift basket, and a manila folder whenever someone new moves in. They're friendly. Four people showed up when we moved here seven years ago. The committee made small talk, gave me a Snickers bar, and took turns holding Nola. It was her first week out of the hospital, so they were extra careful. Then the committee asked to speak to my parents in private, so I was sent to my room, where I still managed to hear nearly every word. The welcoming committee told my parents about how nice the neighborhood was, really exceptional. Hard to explain kind of nice. And then they told my parents about that even harder to explain Whistler that happened to cross our street every night at 3.03 a.m. They explained how it started at 3.03 and ended at the tick of 3.05. The group, our new neighbors, warned my parents that the whistling was quiet, would never harm or hurt us as long as we didn't look outside to try and see what was making the sound. This part they stressed, and I pushed my ear into the door, straining to hear them. People who went looking for the whistler had their luck change, sometimes tragically. A black cloud would hang over anyone that looked. Anything that could go wrong would. The manila folder the committee brought over contained newspaper clippings, stories about car crashes, ruined lives, funerals, public deaths, and freak accidents. Not everyone dies, I heard them say, but their life goes on. Even if they live, there's no light in them ever again. No presence. My mom, I could tell she wasn't taking it seriously. She kept asking if this was some prank they played on new neighbors. At one point, my mom even got angry, accusing them of being racist or even trying to scare us out of the new home. But my dad calmed her down, told her that the new neighbors were sincere and were just trying to help. He explained that he grew up hearing these kinds of stories from his mom and that he knew there were strange things that walked among us. Some of those strange things were good, some of them were bad, but they were all just different. After the committee left, my dad went to the hardware store, bought the canvas blinds, the latches, and the locks, and installed them on every window in the house after dinner. That first night in our new house, I crept out of the room at 3 a.m., only to find my dad sitting awake in the living room couch, holding my baby sister. My dad held up his finger in a shh motion, but patted the couch next to him. I sat and we waited. At exactly 3.03, we heard the whistling. It came and went just like the neighborhood said. The whistling returned each night and we never looked, so we got to enjoy a million little blessings every day. Nola breathes on her own every day and she's grown into a strong, clever girl. My dad even joined the welcoming committee. We don't get new neighbors often. Why would anyone want to leave? But when a new family moves in, my dad and the committee would bring them macaroni casserole, a gift basket, and a manila folder. I can always tell by the look on my dad's face when he comes back if the new family took it seriously or if we'd be getting new neighbors soon. Not long ago, a new family moved in next to us. The previous owner, Miss Maddie, passed away at the sweet age of 105. She'd lived a good, long life. Our new neighbors, they seemed like they'd fit in just fine. They believed the welcoming committee, 
took my dad's advice from locking the shutters since they had young kids of their own. Whatever newspapers, clippings that were in the manila folder, whatever evidence, my dad never let us see. But I imagine it must have been awfully convincing since our neighbors got along with no issues for the first month. One night, when our neighbors had to leave town, they sent their son, Holden, to stay with us. He was 12, a year under me in school. I didn't know him that well before the night, that night, but as soon as his parents dropped him off after dinner, I could tell it was going to be a bad time. Do you know who was always out there whistling every night? Holden asked the moment the adults left the room. The three of us were sitting in the den, some Disney movie playing idly on the television. My sister and I exchanged glances. We, we don't talk about that, I said. I think it's that weirdo that lives in the big yellow house on the corner, Holden said. Mr. Tolls? My sister asked. No way, he's really nice. Holden shrugged. Must be a psycho killer then, Nola tensed. We don't talk about it, I repeated. Let's go to my room and play some Nintendo. We spent the next few hours playing games, eating popcorn and watching some movies. A typical sleepover, but I could see Holden was getting angsty. After my parents had wished us a good night, locked the blinds, and gone to bed, Holden stood up from his beanbag and walked over to where Nola and I were sitting on the bed. Have you ever tried looking? He said. It's nearly time. Like most sleepovers, we've conveniently ignored the suggestion of a bedtime. I was shocked to see that he was right. It was almost 3 a.m. I sighed. We don't. See, I, I can't. I can't even try to look because my dad locks the blinds every night and hides the keys. He continued, ignoring me. So does our dad, Nolda said. No, Holden replied. No, he doesn't. You saw him do it, I said, a little sharper than I meant to. Holden grinned. Your dad locks the blinds, yeah, but he doesn't hide the key. He keeps it right on his normal keychain. So? I asked, worried I already knew what he would say next, because I had already noticed that my dad didn't bother hiding the keys anymore after all these years, because he knew we took it seriously. So, after your dad locked up before your parents went to bed, I went to the bathroom. And on my way, I may have peeked into the room, I may have noticed that your dad's keychain on the nightstand, and I may have went and borrowed that keychain to the blinds. Noel and I stared, and his grin only grew wider. You're lying, I said. Holden shrugged. You can check if you want. Just open your parents' door and look. You'll see his keychain right there on the nightstand. Stay here, I told both of them. Do not move a muscle. I hurried over to my parents' room, but hesitated at the door. If Holden wasn't lying, my dad would be angry, beyond angry. I was scared thinking about it, but more scared of an open window with a whistler right outside. I opened the door, barely an inch, and looked in, but it was too dark to see. Taking a deep breath, I walked into the room. Two steps into the dark, I froze. The whistling started. I could hear it ever so clearly from my parents' room. I never realized it, but they must have been able to hear it every night since we had moved in. They never told us. I don't think I would have been able to sleep through it. I stood there, listening to the whistler come closer, unsure whether I should turn the lights on or call for my dad.
Soft sounds from the living room brought me back to reality. Nola, I yelled, running out of my parents' room. Holden and Nola were standing near the front of the door to the window. Holden wasn't lying. I could see him fumbling with the lock on the blinds. I heard a click. He did have the key. Holden let out a quick laugh. Nola stood next to him, hunched up, afraid, but maybe curious. The whistling was right outside our house. I think I made a sound, called out. I, I can't remember. Time felt frozen, clock hands nailed to the face. But I found myself moving. I'm not fast, I've never been athletic. Somehow though, I covered the space between me and Nola in a moment. My eyes were locked on her, but I could hear Holden pull up the blinds all the way so it could release. I heard a snap as it started to raise. I heard the whistling just on the other side of the window. But I had my arms around Nola. I turned us so we weren't facing the window. At the same time, I jammed my eyes shut. The blinds whipped open. The whistling stopped. I felt Nola shaking in my arms. Don't look, okay? I told her, do not turn around. We were positioned so that we were facing the back towards the hallway, and I was facing the window. My eyes were still closed. I felt her nod in my shoulder. I reached out with one arm not holding Nola and tried to touch Holden. My hand brushed against his arm. He was shaking worse than Nola. Holden, I asked. Silence. I reached past him and gingerly felt for the window. I still shield shut. The glass was cold against my fingertips, colder than it should have been for that time of year. I moved my hand up the window, searching for the string of the blinds. The glass began to get warmer the further up I reached, and I heard a gentle hum feeding back into my fingertips from the window. I tried not to think about it, what might be on the other side of the window. Finally, I touched the string and yanked the blind shut. I opened my eyes. In the dim light leaking through the kitchen, I could make out Holden, pale and small, staring at me now with a closed window. Holden? I asked. He turned towards me, and he screamed. Everything became a flurry of motions. Lights sparked to life in the halls, then the living room. My parents' footsteps thudded across the hardwood floor. I didn't turn to look back at them. My eyes were glued on Holden. He was pale. He had bit his lips so hard there was a thin red line of blood running down his chin, and he'd wet himself. What happened? My dad asked from behind me. I managed to swivel away from Holden and look back. He looked. I'd never seen my dad scared before, but I saw it that night. In that moment, an ugly terror stitched across his face. Just Holden? He mouthed to me. I nodded yes. My dad let out a breath. He looked so relieved I nearly expected him to cheer. But then he turned to Holden and my dad's face changed. I wonder if he felt bad for feeling good that it was only Holden who looked. There was a knock on the door. We all froze. Holden whimpered. Don't answer it, my mom said. She stood in the threshold of the hallway. I'd always thought she was a skeptic and just humored my dad about the windows and the whistler but that night, we were all believers. I noticed that both my parents held baseball bats they must have taken from their room. The knock came again, this time a little bit louder. Please don't open the door, Holden whimpered. My dad walked over to him and hugged him close. We won't, my dad promised, still holding the bat. Nothing is coming in here tonight.
This time, knocking was loud enough to rattle the door. Holden screamed again, and Nola clutched her arms around my neck. My mom came over and knelt down next to us, wrapping my sister this time close. Again, the knocks came. Call the police, my dad whispered. The knocking instantly stopped. My dad looked over his shoulder to us. Do you think he was cut off by the frantic knocking that trailed off to a polite tap-tap? Police, something said from the other side of the door. The voice from outside sounded exactly like my dad, like a parrot repeating the words back to him. Police, call, police, police. My mom called us closer. Police, 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 police. Please stop, I heard her whisper. I don't think calling them will help, my dad said. How will we know when they're the ones at the door? The knocking came back, but this time harder than before. The door shook, and it stopped. After a long moment, I heard the knocking again, but it was coming from the back door. We all turned towards the back door, but the knocking immediately returned back to the front. Front to back, back to front, loud to quiet, quiet to loud. Suddenly, the sound was coming from both the doors at once, big, heavy blows like a sledgehammer, and something started rapping against the windows of the house, then the walls. It was like we were inside a drum with a dozen people trying to play it at once. We were a turtle, and something was attempting to claw us out of our shell. Please stop, Holden yelled. The knocking died. I won't tell, Holden said, staring at the door. I promise I won't tell anyone what I saw. Please just go away. We waited for nearly a minute, and we heard it. The soft tap, tap, tap coming from the window Holden had looked through earlier. Holden began to cry, sobbing like a prisoner watching gallows being built outside their cell. My dad held him, brushed his hair, but he never lied to him. My dad never said that things would be okay. The tapping on the window went on for the rest of the night. We huddled together in the living room, and for I don't even know how long. Eventually, my mom tried to take us kids into my room while my dad stayed to watch the door. But the second we moved into the bedroom, the knocking came back. So loud it was impossible to ignore. I was afraid the door would break. We went back into the living room and the knocking stopped. Only the tap, tap, tap on the window remained. None of us slept that night. The tapping stopped at around 7 a.m. That's about the time the sun comes up here. We waited another two hours before my dad opened the blinds from one window. He made us all go back to my parents' bedrooms first. I heard him open the door and came back in. Okay, he told us. It, it's done. Holden's parents came back from around lunchtime. My mom and dad walked Holden over to his house and they went inside for a quick while. Nolan and I watched from the windows. She was stuck to me the whole day, right at my side, sometimes even holding my hand. When my parents came back, they looked grim, but they wouldn't tell us what they said to Holden's family. It was Sunday, so we spent the day together, ordered a pizza, and watched a movie. That night, everyone slept in my room. Nolan, my mom, in the bed with me, my dad in the chair he'd pulled up. There was no knocking that night, or any night since. We didn't see much of Holden or his parents for the rest of the week, but by Thursday, there was a moving truck in their driveway. Nolan and I watched them pack up, and that whole afternoon after school, what sticks with me the most is how tired Holden and his parents looked. 
All three of them had the same pallor grim across their mouth and lightless eyes. Even from across the street, I could tell that something was very wrong. Holden and his families were gone by sunset. I remember what the original welcoming committee said to my parents when we moved in. Not everyone who looks for the whistler dies, but even those who continue to live get the life drained out of them and live their lives forever in misfortune. A million little tragedies. I think Holden's parents must have looked either to comfort him if they didn't believe or share the burden if they did. I watched Nola some days, happy, young, and alive, and I wonder if I'd been slower if she'd look out the window that night. Would I have looked too? To comfort her? To share the burden? I'm glad I didn't have to find out. We still live in that house, in the neighborhood. We still hear the whistler go past every night, the blessings, the luck, the good things that are too good to leave. But we're careful. We don't have friends over to spend the night anymore. My dad hides the keys to the blinds very, very well. Not that I've gone looking, because I've learned some things you just don't need to go look for. This concludes our spooky story. Thank you so much for listening. For a transcript of this episode, head to the Point of View tab on our website, nhsmessenger.org. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at NHS Point of View for updates and new episodes. I'm your host, Marcus Kim, and this has been Point of View.